This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Gooder. If you are looking for functional, fashionable, and affordable sunglasses, you need to check out Gooder. They have all kinds of different styles. I love the aviator style. I love the runway style. I love my fun red PBR shades from Gooder. They have so many options and it's just fun to wear different stylish shades every day that don't slip around when you're out running. And some of them just transition so nicely if you're going for a run to regular clothes, or you're going to dinner or whatever, their runway shades, their aviators, those transition really nicely to that. So go to gooder.com slash another and use the code another one five for 15% off your order. That's gooder.com slash another. Use the code another one five for 15% off your order. All right. Today you're listening to episode 332 and I'm talking with Sarah Canny. Sarah is a friend of mine and you know, she was on the show way back episode 57. So if you don't know Sarah, go back to that episode and get to know her a little bit there. Uh, We recorded that in 2017. I cannot believe how long it's been. Uh, But since then, I went out to Portsmouth, New Hampshire and did a live show with her in 2018. And I have watched Sarah grow her business. She is the founder and host of the Rise Run Retreat. And it has just been so cool to see her lean into what she's passionate about and create this really special running retreat for women that she hosts year after year. And she rolled up her sleeves and did some awesome virtual retreats during the pandemic. So it's just been fun to see her shift and evolve and really create the business and life that she wants to live. So Sarah is a runner. She's a snowshoer. I don't even know if that's what you say. The snowshoe runner, a snowshoer. She loves climbing mountains. She loves a good IPA. And she has three kids of her own that her and her husband homeschool which is pretty cool. Uh, Actually, you know what? Her and her husband were on the Illuminate podcast, which is another podcast I host every once in a while, talking about homeschooling their kids and being together all the time. Uh, I recorded with them like right as the pandemic started and we were all home with our families a lot. Uh, If you want to listen to that episode, it is a great one. That's episode 32 over on the Illuminate podcast with Sarah and Mark Canny. Um, All right. So if you want to learn more about Sarah, go to sarahcanny.com. And if you want to learn more about her running retreats, go to riserunretreat.com. You're going to hear all about the retreats in this episode though. And also, oh my gosh, this is like the most important part I forgot to say. Sarah recently just totally went off social media. She doesn't do Instagram anymore. And I'm super intrigued by that decision and what that looks like for her life. You know, um, if you're trying to grow a business and things like that, it is really hard to remove yourself from social media. But Sarah felt really passionate about doing that and how she wanted to live her life and the life she wants to create for herself. So we're going to dig into that a little bit in this episode. I think it's going to be interesting and I think it's going to encourage us all to get off the scroll a little bit more. So um, yeah, that'll be a key talking point in this conversation that I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, so again, yeah, go to riserunretreat.com if you're looking for a really cool retreat for women that involves running and community and education. It's a really, really cool retreat. All right, friends, if you enjoy this podcast, leave us a quick rating and review. We are giving away a pair of Gooder shades for all the new ratings and reviews that are coming in in August, and then we'll draw a winner in September. If you do leave one, just shoot Emma, my assistant, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com, an email or myself, Lindsay at sandyboyproductions.com, and we will get you entered to win the pair of Gooder shades. Okay, enjoy my conversation with Sarah. All right, friends, 
I'm so excited for this episode. I'm bringing back my friend and returning guest, Sarah Canny. Hi, Sarah. Hi. <laughs> I love hearing your voice. I know. It's so good to hear your voice as well. I'm I'm excited for this conversation. I've been looking forward to it all day. Yeah, I mean, well, we've been in, so if you guys haven't listened to Sarah's first episode, she was 57, so I think that was like 2016 maybe, I don't know, it was a very long time ago, Um, but I know a lot of listeners probably have followed you on Instagram and know about your running retreats, but Sarah and I were also, we've been in a couple of like business groups together and, you know, on phone calls together, but we haven't in a long time, so it's really nice to hear your voice. Yeah, and it's it's great to hear from you. I feel like so much has happened since the last time we connected. I mean, you moved to an entirely different state, and yeah, there's a lot. It's crazy. Okay, so catch us up on your life, though. I mean, obviously, a million things have happened since your original episode. Um, one of the things being that I came out, you know, like when Sandy was two months old and did, we did a live show in New Hampshire, Um but like, what's going on in your life with running, all the things right now? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because um, so I sort of got off of social media in June. And so my life has sort of just felt a little bit more like my own for the past um, few months here. But I mean, since the last time we I mean, the last time we talked, so much has happened. But, you know, in terms of running, it's like all of 2020, I really like like everyone else, I really didn't race much. But I did a lot of what I tried to do each month was a, a like a personal challenge, basically. So I did a 50K. I went for a local FKT and, you know, just did some other fun stuff kind of around where I am, just different things to keep it fresh. And um, and this year, I sort of my big goal race for the year was the Mount Washington Road Race, which is an uphill only race here in New Hampshire that climbs the highest peak in the Northeast, which is Mount Washington. It's um, 6,288 feet above sea level, which I know it doesn't sound like a lot compared to some of the, the mountains um, in, out west in Colorado. But um, considering that I live at like 500 feet above sea level like we're going from we're starting at a pretty low point so um yeah so that race was in June and I had the goal of finishing in the top 10 which was a kind of a big leap goal for me um and I finished 13th which I'm super happy about so that was really that's a it's a neat race like it it's pretty challenging it goes up the mountain road which goes to the summit and um it's about 7.6 miles and just shy of 4,700 feet of um, elevation gain in those seven, 7.6 miles. So yeah, but since then I haven't raced. Um, that's been the only race so far. And so I think just, just consistent training has kind of been, been what I'm, what I've been doing. And I have an elliptigo. I have three elliptigos now and I ride my <laughs> elliptigo a ton. So <laughs> yeah, just a lot of, just a lot of fun sort of volume and, and playing around with training and having fun. So, okay. First of all, that to me does sound like a lot of elevation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I am coming from Indy, you know, and remember when I came and ran with you in New Hampshire, I was like, what are these hills? Um, yeah, yeah. but it is so hilly here in Raleigh. Like, um, you know, people that are used to it are just like, Oh, probably that's normal, you know? But for me, it is a major shock to my system like every run I'm like do I have to run up these hills every time I go run um so I've been noticing my elevation gain on my watch and for Mm. like a six mile run I'm usually it's usually like over 400 feet of elevation which to me in Indy I would be like 20 feet of elevation elevation gain you know so when I hear 6,000 and it's uphill the entire time with no like rest from that uphill, that sounds intense. It is. And it's, it's an interesting race. So this is the fifth year that I've done it. And, um, because it is uphill the entire way and it never really plateaus or levels off, um, your pacing becomes really important because if you go out too hard, then you will pay dearly, dearly, (laughs) um, very quickly. So it's not like a, 
you know, if you were to go out hard in a race, you could potentially, you know, a road race, you could potentially have the ability to recover at some point a little bit um, and maybe sort of turn it around. But this race is is unforgiving. And uh, yeah, there's no recovering if you if you mess up the pacing, which I learned the hard way the very first year that I did it. (laughs) I can't imagine. So do you is it steep enough at points that are you hiking at points? Um, so it ranges in, so the average grade is 12%. So I actually do a lot of my training at 12% on the treadmill. And there's a section with about, I don't know, 200 meters to go that is 22% grade. And that, that section tends to, (laughs) tends to get a lot of hikings. But that particular section was the only section that I sort of hiked this time around. But the very first time I did it, I made it, I was able to run like maybe the first two miles and then the rest of it was just a run walk to the mm-hmm. top. So, um, but I think it, it, with this race, you just have to train really specifically for, for incline running to do well. So tell me your time differences. So have you done it twice? I've done it five times. So the very first oh year gosh. I did it, yeah, I did it in an hour and 49 minutes. Um, and then this year I did it in an hour 30 Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I've taken almost 20 minutes off my time over the last five years. So yeah. And what's neat is, um, at the end of the race, they, the, the race timing company, um, you can kind of walk up to the table and it scans your bib and then prints out sort of your results, but it also gives you your history of results. And so what's been kind of neat is to see like the very first year I did it, I was the 53rd woman. Wow. And then the next year I was like, I don't know, in the 40s. And then the next year I was in the 30s. And then the next year I cracked the top 20. And then this year I almost cracked top 10. So um, yeah, it's it's the race that like, I know there are a lot of people who, um, you know, Boston's their race or, you know, they've got like this race that's sort of near and dear to their heart. Well, this is that race for me. I love that. I love that. I've admired for a while now that you've kind of like steered away from road marathons and like you're just doing what you love to do. You love the the snowshoe running. You love these mountain runs. And you're still like challenging your body to this like crazy t- degree, if not more than you would be on a road marathon. What has like pulled you to do that? I think, you know, I think it kind of actually goes back to when I was a teenager and my dad would take me hiking up in the White Mountains. And so I kind of developed this, you know, affinity for for mountains because it just is tied with really great memories with my dad. So I think there's something that I find um, just really, I don't know, I, I feel more connected to myself when I'm in that mountainous environment versus when I'm sort of in like a city marathon. Like I'm just not really a, a city girl. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I just, I, I love the mountains. Yeah. And when Sarah says she's not a city girl, she really isn't. I have been to her house. <laughs> it is not in a <laughs> yeah. city. Nope. Nope. We're out here up on a ridge in pretty rural New Hampshire. And so. it is beautiful. Let's just sidetrack there really quick. You and your husband, Mark, designed your house, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, my husband is a, well, I suppose now he's a retired plumbing contractor. Um, but yeah, plumber and he was a general contractor for our house. And then we did just a ton of the work ourselves. Yeah. So we have a really, in a place where a lot of the houses are this cookie cutter sort of colonial style house, we have a house that is not that. Um, so it's it's like the weird house on the street, but um, we love it. I love your house so much. To me, it's like <laughs> for a family of five, it is like the perfect size. It's not too big. It's not too small. You have everything you need. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if rustic is the right word, but it is just like so cozy and you guys yeah. did an awesome job. Yeah, although my daughter would would argue with that, that she needs her own bathroom and cannot oh. <laughs> share a bathroom with her brothers anymore. She can't tolerate them. But I mean, <laughs> I could see. I mean, I only. Yeah, I only had sisters, but I felt that way about my sisters. And she's getting to the age where she's probably really mm-hmm. feeling that with brothers. Yeah, for sure. Well, our kids are going to be in the same situation. And actually, the house we bought here in Raleigh is 
it's technically only three bedrooms. I mean, there's they sold it as a four bedroom house, but the fourth bedroom like doesn't have a door on it. And that's where Glenn's office is, which is like in the middle of everything. And all four of our kids, which I realize as they get older, being the same gender will um, this will be easier, but they are all four in the same room right now. And I'm just, and it's a tiny little room. I mean, this house was Mm -hmm. half redone and then the bedroom side was not redone. And so they're all in this, like, I don't know if it's like 10 by 10. I don't know. It's a small room and, but you know, they just sleep in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, before we built this house, we were in a really small condo and all three kids were in the same room and it was, it was a tiny room. (laughs) When your kids were little (laughs) then. They were little, yeah, but there was like bunk beds and a crib and then the changing table and another dresser. There was like room to turn around and that was about it. Yeah, mixing in a kid that's still in a crib with the other kids, that's hard Mm. because sleep schedules and whatnot. But yeah, I could see being the girl wanting my own bathroom, but she will thrive and she'll be resilient because she shared a bathroom with her brothers. (laughs) This is true. This is true. How old is Sophia now? She's going to be 12. Okay. Which is a little scary for me because that means she's one year closer to being a teenager. And I just don't, I don't know. It. I feel like time is just going by so fast. It's, um, it's crazy. <laughs> I know. I just talked about that with Sally McRae in one of my recent episodes with her. Just like, how do you like stay present and hold on to like what's happening right now and not like be sad that it's all going too fast, you know? I know. Yeah, it's so this week I'm solo parenting because my because hu- my husband Mark is out of town and um, it, you know he has been the stay at home parent actually for the last it'll be two years in October um, that he's kind of been the stay at home parent and then the homeschool parent because we also homeschool and so this whole week I you know I was just in a hundred percent mom mode like no work. Um, or very minimal work kind of before they would wake up. And we've kind of been doing all the things that we used to do all together, you know, in the summer. And we've gone to the lake and, you know, you know, done some other things, the library and all that, all that kind of stuff that we used to do. And what is so weird for me is how much their personalities have sort of developed over the last two years from when I was sort of the one who was with them almost 24 seven, you know, all day long, every day. And then over the last two years, you know, I work from home, but they're with Mark and I'm kind of in my corner office that's in the middle of our (laughs) bedroom, really. You know, I just haven't had that sort of intense, like one-on-one time with the kids. I mean, we're all together, but yeah, that just intense time with them. And it just, it's crazy to me just how much they've changed in that two years since we were sort of in the same situation where I was the one with them all the time. Hey everybody, a quick break here to thank Beam for supporting this episode of the podcast. For a very long time, I have looked for a great hydration line and I'm so excited that I found that in Beam. My favorite is their Elevate Recovery. It is a hydrating electrolyte powder formulated with non-GMO collagen peptides plus BCAA for supportive joint and muscle health. It tastes like rejuvenating fresh lemon. There's no sugar added and it elevates your recovery. I don't know about you, but I am hot and sweaty on every single run. I am just drenched. It is so hot and humid here in North Carolina where I've been running. Um, I'm sure it's hot and humid still in Indiana too, where I just moved from. But there is not a day I go for a run where I don't drink this Elevate Recovery drink. It's just so important to replenish your electrolytes when you sweat a lot, and this stuff is legit. Uh, They also have a balance line and a pre-workout drink, all delicious. Again, though, my favorite is the recovery. You all can save when you go to beamtlc.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. While you're over there, if you want to check out their Dream Blend, that is their sleep supplement, I highly recommend it. I drink it every night. It does have some CBD in it, which the hydration line does not have CBD in it. But the Dream Blend, it's just like a healthy take on hot chocolate. It's delicious. It has sleep-enhancing vitamins and minerals, and I highly recommend it. So go to beamtlc.com, use the code ANOTHER, and you'll get 15% off your order. All right, back to the show. 
Okay, so Sarah, we have to get into this whole social media thing. So I mentioned earlier that Sarah and I have been on like some business calls together and things like that and like groups that she has really spearheaded um, that have been really awesome with a bunch of other like running entrepreneur women. But Sarah had kind of been talking about this. Like, I think that this is the right move for my life. Like I want to get off social media. So can you just start from when you started really toying with the idea? Could this work for me and my family and my business? Yeah. I mean, it's so funny because I have friends who like you, who, um, who have businesses who are, that are very closely tied to using social media. And that's kind of an integral part of what they do. And then I have friends who use social media sort of casually. And then I have some friends who just like, aren't really on social media at all. And so when I talked about this to the friends who aren't really on social media at all, it's like, well, what's the big deal? Like, (laughs) like, what are you talking about? But um, I think you understand that a lot of times social media, I mean, if you own a business, any kind of business, like it's, it it seems like a very integral part of how you get the word out and how you stay in contact with your community that you've built and your followers. And, um, you know, especially, you know, I think there's a difference between sort of I mean, and there's a lot of crossover, but being an influencer and then sort of using social media for your business, Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, those, those can be, obviously there's crossover, but those two can be kind of different. But yeah, I think it was, it was really the spring of 2020 and, you know, maybe it was sort of set in motion by, by the pandemic, um, and just sort of the overload of, of news and information and, and just like the heightened stress and anxiety just felt really very real to me. Um, and so I, um, I picked up the book Digital Minimalism, which is by Cal Newport. And I've read some other books by him and um, actually Brad Stolberg. Um, I know you're reading one of his books right now because I saw it on, <laughs> I actually saw it on Facebook. Um, but uh, I interviewed him today, actually. You did? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So he's got some great books, but I know he's a fan, if not friends with, with Cal Newport and sort of his, his philosophy, philosophy. But basically, I had bought the book several years ago, maybe 20, when it came out, I think it came out in 2018 or 2019, picked it up and started to read it and kind of thought, oh, this is totally irrelevant to me because Mm. I need social media. And so I didn't even make it probably two or three chapters in. And then I, I sort of went back into it in April, 2020, I think it was. Um, And it just made more sense to me at that point. And I think, you know, so I was thinking about it for, for quite a while. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do his 30 day digital detox, which is kind of what he talks about in, in his book is like you detox for 30 days. And then at the end of 30 days, you kind of decide like what relationship you're going to have and how you're going to add things back in. And, um, so I was like, Oh, I'll do that in June. That makes sense. And then June came and and of last year and I didn't do it and just kind of kept going and kept going. Um, and then I finally was like, okay, I'm going to do it in December. That, that seems like a good time. Like with the holidays, I can just focus on family. And so I did it in December and that over the course of the 30 days, I just felt, I felt like somebody had turned off the background noise, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, it was like there had been this constant chatter in the back of my mind um, and somebody turned it off. And suddenly I just, I felt just a clarity and um, creativity and more engagement and presence with my family. And yeah, just sort of like felt like I was getting back in touch with something that I was sort of out of touch with, um, which was you know, real life. (laughs) So, um, you know, and, and even then, you know, it was, it was, I didn't miss it and I thought I would, and I was kind of reluctant to go back, but then, you know, January is when is, it's a pretty important time for Rise Run Retreat because that's when we announce all of our offerings for the coming year. We announce our retreats. We kind of, you know, share what we're, you know, big sort of launch about what we're doing and a big push for sort of the first wave of registration. Um, and so I, I didn't feel like I could get off of social media. It felt pretty essential. And so kind of dove back into it. Um, and I think the biggest thing that I 
that was sort of a, I guess you could call it a red flag or just something that I noticed that I just didn't really like as I kind of got back into it was sort of thinking about everything in my life in terms of content. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it was like, oh, I'm making dinner. This is actually a recipe that I made up. Oh, I should, this should be a story. (laughs) My phone up on the counter and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, narrate my cooking. And, and so I was constantly thinking about all of these real life situations in terms of how they could be content for social media. Mm -hmm. And with that lens in front of everything, it just, you know, and actually, um, I can't remember the name of Brad Stolberg's podcast with Steve Magnus, but their podcast, they actually recently, well, probably not recently, but a couple months ago had a podcast about this where they were talking about making parts of your life work, right? And so it's like all of a sudden parts of my life were becoming work because I was sharing them on Instagram, which I use for work, you know, for my business. And they were each talking about like the parts of their life that they absolutely do not share um, because they don't want it to feel like work. You know, they don't want it. They don't want work to seep into these parts of their life so that they can, you know, be totally engaged with those other things without them feeling like work. And I think what I was noticing is that, yeah, just a lot of aspects of my life were feeling like work because I was feeling like I had to create content around them. Um, and also as, as social media platforms come out with new features and, oh, and you know this, make it like, stop. <laughs> I know, I know if you want your following to see anything that you post, you've in order to be like sort of current with the algorithm, you have to use these new features. And so it's almost like this bottomless pit of demanding more and more and more and more. And, you know, you can either play the game and you can make the stories and you can make the reels and you can, I don't even know what they've come up with in the last couple <laughs> months, but you could do the like live with um, multiple guests and, you know, you can do all that so that, and, and really what Instagram's trying to, to get you to do is to just be on the platform more. Um, and so they sort of are relying on all these content creators to, to basically keep the consumer content consumers on the platform. And so I just felt like I was in this sort of rat race that, um, that I didn't really sign up for. Cause when I got on, on Instagram and I don't know, 2012 or whenever it was that I yeah. joined, it was just a way to like connect with people like you, like that's how we connected. And, you know, it just felt very, sort of, I, I hate to say it, but organic and like, yeah, no, you know, and, uh-huh. and like, yeah, just these real connections. And then I think as things sort of have shifted, it just feels um, it just feels different. And it doesn't have that sort of community feel. But yeah, that's kind of the, the long winded answer of, of why. Um, and um, yeah, there's so many so many aspects of it just didn't feel didn't sit right anymore. And I can't explain, you know, maybe there's a little bit of it that I can't explain other than it was this sort of gut feeling that like, I just need to step away. And I didn't do this, do like a, I didn't delete anything. It's mm-hmm. all still like my account is all still there because I don't know, maybe I'll come back. Like maybe I can develop a, a healthier relationship with it and use it in a, in a different way and have a different sort of perception of it. But for now, I know that like the last few months have just been, it's been good. Yeah. I mean, so much of that resonates with me and I'm sure a lot of the listeners and especially if the listener is using Instagram or whatever it is for their business, you know, like, you know, for me, I I do feel like, oh, I need to promote my podcasts on Instagram because if I don't promote the podcasts on Instagram, what will incentivize my guests to share it? You know what I mean? Like, so it's like little things like that, but I hear what you're saying about the constant content thing. And that's Mm. why like sometimes I pick like one or two days where I'm just like, I'm not doing social media because I just don't want that to Mm -hmm. be part of my life. But there's this pressure because (laughs) this sounds so silly, but it's like you, you don't want to constantly just be promoting stuff. Right. So like, I don't want to just promote my podcast. I don't want to just promote my sponsors for the podcast or like some race that I'm doing I also want to share like 
my real life and like let you in a little bit. And I, I do enjoy those relationships I've made with some people from those organic like sharings, like of my kids being crazy or whatever it is. But I do think it's a balancing act. Like, because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel gross. I'm like, why did I just share so much? Like, I didn't need to, everybody doesn't need to know all those things about what my family just did. So I don't, I don't know that mm-hmm. anybody really has it down, like to a science of like how to balance it well. And yeah, if you do, let it's- me know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Cause I, there've been, I, I haven't thought this way in a little bit, but like at first something would happen, like, especially Mark, I think my husband's hilarious, but he, he is would do hilarious. something hilarious. <laughs> he is. And, um, and I would think, oh my gosh, I wish I had gotten that. Yes. That would make the funniest whatever story or post or whatever. So, you know, there's times like that where I was like, oh, that would make people chuckle and that would be funny. So, you know, I have thought, thought like that, um, a few times and, um, but I think what has been neat is that I still have my newsletter list and I send out a newsletter every Monday and, and I've also had people reach out randomly via email and say, mm. hey, how are you? Or, you know, I, I know you're not on social media, but did you see this new race that just popped up? Maybe you want to run like it's close to you. You might want to run it or, you know, and so I'm get, people are still like engaging and reaching out and and in a very real and and heartwarming way, actually. So I love that. Well, I mean, just what you were saying about Mark doing something funny, it's like, you're trying to remove that thought though, right? Like I'm the same way with Glenn. Mm, Sometimes he says something funny and I'm like, Oh, I wish I would have been recording that. Like that made me laugh. Mm -hmm. And it's like trying to eliminate that thought and just think he's funny and enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what has happened is like, especially in when I, so I got off June 1st. And so June, June was a lot of that, like that habit that there was just like a habit of thinking that way. Um, and so I had a lot of those thoughts kind of popping into my mind in June and, and it would actually, I would think that like, Oh, this could be, this would be a funny story or whatever the thought might be. And then the next minute I would be like, actually just be in this moment. Like, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. about this moment are you enjoying? Yep. And so it almost made me sort of like sink into the the present moment a little bit more, um, almost as a reaction to that, to that thought, which was, which I think was just a really good awareness. Yeah. I mean, honestly, sometimes I envy people that just never got into social media because I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, it doesn't even have any sort of like relevance in your life. You just don't care. Yeah. I, I agree. And, you know, Mark has never really been on social media. Um, so he's one of those people. And then I have some friends who aren't on at all and um, actually have been spending far more time with them, which has been really great. That's so, awesome. yeah, I think, my, you know, my time has been filled up with just sort of more creative endeavors and um, a lot of real life, you know, connections and uh, a lot more reading. I'm doing a lot more reading, <laughs> which is good. You know, one of the things we talked about, I don't know if you remember this in our conversation. I forget who was on the call. Kelly Vigil was on the call for sure. Oh, gosh. Maybe Mary Johnson, too, I bet. But anyway, we were talking about, like, all the time spent, like, oh, let me make sure I get a picture after I run or whatever, like, getting pictures here and there. And I asked you, I was like, does that sometimes make you sad? You know? Do you remember that? Yeah. 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 And it's interesting because I think at the time my answer was no, or I don't remember what I my think answer you said was, kind of, I think you said kind, kind of. of, yeah, that sounds more accurate. But what's interesting is so the, the Mount Washington race was in June and it was at the end of June. So it was, I'd been off of social media for three, three weeks and, you know, it was really interesting to have a, what I would consider for me, a, kind of a breakthrough race. Yeah. And then not share it on social media. And what was interesting was there was a little bit of like 
some, I mean, marathon blues, but not, I'm not a marathon, but like just a little bit of like bummed outness that happened in the days after, because I was sort of thinking about how everyone, you know, you kind of prolong the race experience on social media for sure. um, by sharing pictures and sort of talking about it and like checking in with other people who ran and, and, you know, it sort of prolongs the race experience, which I think, you know, that's a, that's a cool thing. That's a good thing. And, um, and I sort of had this like left out feeling of that, um, which I think, which I wasn't expecting. I mean, I knew it would be, you know, I, and during the race, I was thinking like I was very focused on the race and and never really. And then after the race, just focused on saying hi to all these people that I hadn't seen in a year. And like, I actually don't have a single picture from race day <laughs> because I think I was just like so in the moment. And so that aspect was really good. But then in the days after, I was like, oh, I don't have any pictures <laughs> and I'm not sharing in all the pictures on social media. So there was like this a little bit of a letdown. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Liz Bohannon's podcast. Didn't I? I told you about her podcast, right? Yeah. Love that podcast. Okay. Plucking Up, which, man, I just listened to her recap. She got really sick with COVID when she was like 36 week, weeks pregnant. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like so, so happy that she's okay and everything. But um, for those listening, if you're interested into these types of conversations, her podcast is really good. It's called Plucking Up. But anyway, and I just ordered a purse from her business, which is Seiko Designs. Just came in the mail today. It was like the most exciting mail day ever. <laughs> um, That's great. But I think I was telling you that on one of our calls that she did this interview with Matthew McConaughey when his book came out. And one of the things they talked about was social media. And... Yeah. She was quoting some research done that like there is, I forget what the hormone is or serotonin, whatever it is. I'm probably yeah, saying dopamine. that. Dopamine. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say serotonin is yeah. the sleep thing, right? Yep. <laughs> sleep I'm probably saying this wrong, friends. So just go with me here. But anyway, that we when we experience something really cool, like getting to a mountaintop or like you finishing a race, we get like a little bit of a dopamine hit. But then that real hit in today's culture and age and in this like Western culture that we live in, like the picture, taking mm. the picture and then posting the picture is when those surges really happen. And it's like, that's crazy. You're not yeah. even fully there when the moment is happening because yeah. you're thinking about the picture. And then when the picture happens, that's not even it. It's when you post the picture and then when the comments come in. So, I mean, I think you're giving yourself this like beautiful gift, not just for yourself, but like for your kids. Yeah. It's, you know, it's funny because I was actually re recalling that conversation, probably not during the race, but definitely after the race, just thinking like, okay, like that's it. This is my dopamine hit. Like I need to yeah. save this moment because I'm not going to rehash it on social media. And I think it's interesting because before I, I got off of social media, I actually had a really fantastic phone call with Mario um, Fraioli, who's been off, I think, over a year now. And he just, you know, had a lot of great things to, to say and so, some encouragement. And um, one of the things he did mention was he's like, just, you know, be prepared for the withdrawal. And, mm. you know, at first I was like, what? Like, no, you know, there's not going to be any withdrawal. Like, I'm not, I'm not like addicted to likes. Like, I've never really been someone who, um, sort of watched my analytics. Like I just kind of was like happy to go along and, you know, da 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 and do my thing. Um, and maybe I should have paid more attention to analytics. I don't know. But uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I would say that in July I sort of was in this inexplicable funk. Mm. And and then I recalled what he had said and I was like, oh, I think like my dopamine must be all wacky. <laughs> you know, because it's not so much the likes and I wasn't sort of getting my dopamine hit from that or the analytics. It was more like, you know, the, the comment, like, Oh my gosh, you know what you wrote just it really resonated yes. with me and I needed to today. It's like that kind of thing where you're like, Oh man, like what I'm doing is really meaningful and it's really important. Um, and I'm on the right track. Like that's the dopamine, like that's a pretty big hit of dopamine. Like it's not so much the likes. I think it's the, 
the connection. And you know, the thing is like that kind of dopamine is good, right? It's like yes. good connection um, and it's positive. And so, you know, there's part of me that's like, well, there was, a, you know, there was a lot of good things that came out of social media and there are a lot of good things that can still come out of social media. But I think, you know, what I'm finding is that I think I'm finding that sort of those dopamine hits more with who is in my immediate sort of sphere of influence. So that's my kids. That's my husband. Um, that's some close friends and, you know, just spending more time engaged with, with those people around me. And not that I, not that I wasn't before, like I was there in body, but maybe not a hundred percent there in mind as well. So I don't know a lot to kind of like figure out. Yeah. And it's interesting to me too, hearing you say that because from my experience with you as a friend and being in your home and knowing your family a little bit, like I felt like you did a really good job with separating it and being present, you know? So, you know, to hear you say that you even struggled with it, it kind of surprised me, honestly. And I think that sometimes people are like, they want to play that they're too cool. Like, I don't care about that. It doesn't, you know, have any type of hold on me. But if you're waking up in the morning and looking at your phone first thing and looking at it before you go to bed, there's a hold. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you know, I think my sort of line that I always said was like, well, I don't watch TV and I really, I don't watch a ton of, I watch Ted Lasso and that's about it. (laughs) Good. Because I would be very upset with you if you didn't. Yeah. (laughs) But I I didn't watch a lot of TV. And I would just like if my family was watching a movie or my husband was watching a show, I'd be like, oh, well, this is my Instagram time. I'm just going to, you know, be on Instagram. You know, and I'm I'm not really doing that anymore. So I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just, you know, there, which I think is, is good. And yeah, I don't know. I think like, I think it's possible to have a healthy relationship with it. And I don't think that my relationship with it was unhealthy. I think I just felt like in what was best for, for me in that moment was to just step away and not, and to step away with not really any sort of definitive, um, parameters like, Mm. Oh, I'm never doing this again. Or I like, I'm deleting everything, you know, no sort of extremes, but just, you know, just to step away and, and give some space and see what, what comes out of that. All right, friends, a quick break here. I want to let you know, I am coaching the team of athletes running the New York city marathon for every mother counts. Run Team ENC runs to improve access to critical maternal care for every mother everywhere. Okay, so if you want to join the team and run the New York City Marathon, you can join the team. The fundraising minimum to run for Every Mother Counts for the New York City Marathon this year is $3,600. Go check out Every Mother Counts on Instagram, their running team, Run Team EMC, and learn more about getting signed up to run and race for Every Mother Counts for the New York City Marathon. And if you do sign up for the team, I do send out weekly training emails to the team on Mondays. And then also you have two different training plan options that will be uploaded to a VDOT calendar that you have access to if you join the team. So go to everymothercounts.org to learn more and get signed up if you're interested in raising funds for maternal health care around the world. All right, back to the show. So tell us, like, okay, so you mentioned Cal Newport's book, Digital Minimalism. Mm -hmm. Were there any other resources that you could point people toward if they are looking to not be so into the social media? Yeah, so there was a really um, good podcast that I listened to that was called Under the Influence. Um, And it was, I think it just, it was like a series podcast. Like, they, I think they just did, like, eight or 10 episodes and then stopped. And, um, that one was really kind of like dove more into the mommy blogger or not mommy blogger, mommy influencer world. Mm -hmm. But it was just kind of a thoughtful, I thought it was a thoughtful sort of dive into just everything that kind of goes, 
goes on behind the scenes in terms of, you know, being on social media and maintaining, you know, what people might call personal brand. Um, so that was really interesting. Obviously, uh, the social dilemma on Netflix, that documentary is is also pretty good. And that was pretty just influential. There was another article that I read. Um, I think it was called Your Brain on Instagram. And it was kind of all about sort of the sort of the neuro um, the neuroscience behind the use of these apps and the dopamine and and kind of like what's what what exactly is happening in your brain. And yeah, there were a few others. And if people want to find them, I actually wrote a blog post that's called Antisocial. And at the end of the blog post, I linked to everything that sort of was influential in, in making my decision. So um, they can find that on my website if they want to find the links to, to all the all that stuff. You know what? I think I didn't watch The Social Dilemma because I was like scared. <laughs> yeah, it is like it is a little scary. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of watch it and sort of take what you know, take from it what what you want to take from it and sort of leave behind what you what you don't need and yeah. Um I'm curious your thoughts on all this raising kids. Sophia is 12. We talked about that. And yeah. and then yeah. um, Jack is nine. Liam is six. So what are your feelings towards screens and your kids? Yeah. Yeah. So it, that was also a factor in the decision is, is you know, Sophia doesn't have a phone. Um, and I'm not sure it'll probably be like when she's driving, I think. I mean, we homeschool. So she... <laughs> She doesn't have like we're not picking her up or dropping her off and in, in I mean we are but like I don't know we're I think we think like when she's driving she can get a phone which I know probably sounds pretty radical. I love it. And you know she she has friends who are on TikTok and social media and you know my sort of response was like it's just not a good idea like it's not a good idea to be hooked to your phone for that dopamine hit especially when you're in that those developmental stages. And, you know, and we've been around families whose kids, you know, at a cookout or something and and the kids are on the phones or the tablets or whatever. And they're just like, just appear to be kind of checked out, which um, we we're trying to avoid (laughs) trying to raise kids who can engage in conversation and feel comfortable in you know, different social situations. And um so I think we we have a pretty conservative approach to screens. I I say this, and my kids are currently watching movie because I'm solo parenting. A movie <laughs> is different than sitting on TikTok. Yes, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think we just you know we have one night a week where where they can um, they like to play Minecraft, so they play Minecraft, and the rest of the time we're trying to send them outside and have them do crafts. So that's interesting. One night a week. You, is it like every Friday or something? And it's like a certain day. It's Thursday. It's every Thursday night. So that's also Mark and my date night. Um, and all through COVID we sort of home dates because we weren't going out to eat at all. And so the kids would just kind of go off on their iPads and, you know, Mark and I would be able to sit down at the dinner table and actually have a conversation (laughs) that was uninterrupted. So that's kind of how we treat it is like date night is also screen night for the kids. You have a 12 year old daughter and your youngest is six. You can go out on date nights, can't you? We could. Yeah, we haven't. um, We haven't gone into that territory quite yet of leaving, leaving them at home, which is funny because my parents left me at home when I was 10. Yeah. (laughs) They're like, I'm fine. (laughs) I go to the grocery store. Yeah. I mean, I think you would be golden as long as they wouldn't be scared, right? Yeah. Yeah. We were on a walk the other night in our new neighborhood and um, we, with the whole family and these two boys, they're twin boys that my boys have become really good friends with. Um, They're eight. Yeah. And their older brother's 13. And their parents just like went down the street for dinner just for the night. And they came out on our walk with us for a little bit. We know their family and everything. And I'm like, that's so cool. They can just leave for like two hours and go to dinner and, you know, just be right down the road. And obviously the kids can call them if they need them. But I'm like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, we could potentially do that. The only thing is that we live in such a rural area that to go anywhere out to eat, we have to drive like 30 or 40 minutes to get somewhere good. Um, unless you want 
pizza. There's like four pizza places in our town, but yeah. they're all bad. So <laughs> No, that's way <laughs> different because I'm talking like we are maybe two miles from tons of different restaurant options. Yeah. So yeah, that's a yeah. that's a much different you can't get home in ten minutes. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. That's kind of uncharted territory. So we'll we're gonna feel our way into that one. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Coming back around to you and social media and like your running business and and Rise Run Retreat, do you feel like this has impacted Rise Run Retreat in any way? And like, what are your feelings about the business? Yeah. So, you know, what's been really great is that our fall retreat sold out, which was awesome. Um, And, you know, obviously the majority of those registrations were sort of before I left social media, but you know, it continued to sell even after I got off social. Um, and, you know, we have a pretty healthy email list, so we stay in contact with everybody. And Rise Run Retreat itself still has their, um, we still have our social media channels. So we've got our Facebook page and the Instagram and our community coordinator, um, Sandra Laflamme, who's um, takes kind of care of that. And she um, oversees all of that. And so the, it doesn't seem like things have negatively impacted um, what we've been offering. I also, you know, we have two virtual retreats that are coming up in September and November. And so, you know, we'll see if we're, you know, kind of able to get the word out about those well. Um, you know, I know that, I, you know, I primarily used my, my social media my Instagram channel and then also Rise Run Retreats channel to kind of announce those things and promote those things. So, you know, we're still using the Rise Run Retreat channel. And actually, next week, I'll be going live with one of our guests for our September retreat. So, um, so I'll be live on Instagram next week, which is, which is fun. Um, On Rise Run, though, not on Sarah Canny. Yeah, on Rise Run Retreats. Yeah. Yeah, Instagram. So, yeah, I mean, I I haven't seen a huge impact, but we haven't we also haven't officially rolled out everything we're offering in the fall. So I think the real sort of litmus test is going to be obviously when we open registration and kind of see, you know, how things shake out for um, for our September and our November virtual retreat. But you're sold out for this fall for the in-person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what a relief. Like you can just enjoy yeah. planning. Yeah. And and for the most part, like the, you know, I've, I've, this is my sixth year doing Rise Run Retreat and there's, I've created sort of systems and frameworks. And so actually everything is done. I'm just finalizing the last things with the caterer. Um, So for the most part, everything is, is kind of ready to roll, which is nice. Um, Yeah. So I think it's going to be a fantastic time. Um, Yeah. It's going to be October in New Hampshire, so the leaves will be changing. They'll probably be peak fall foliage, and uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay, so give everybody just a brief, like, what is Rise Run Retreat, and who's... I know that they can't come this fall, but guess what? You can go next fall. Will you do a spring in person? I'm still trying to figure out what um, what is in store for 2022. Um, the last two years have been, I mean, for anyone who organizes any kind of events, <laughs> yeah, has been a roller coaster. You know, and obviously things are still changing pretty rapidly um, even now. So I, you know, we typically announce our our fall ret- or our schedule in. Um, usually like at the end of the year and then we open registration in January. But I think we'll probably we'll probably stick to that like January sort of uh, launching the announcing the the details for 2022. So um, but yeah, I mean, Rise Run Retreat is something that I started, let's see, 2015. So a while ago um, and it really sort of came out of I mean, like you, I started with blogging. Um, and, um, in 2013, I was on one of the noon hydration, um, hood to coast, uh, blogger teams that ran the hood to coast relay. And that experience itself was just really impactful, not just like for my running, but also just for my confidence and kind of sense of self. It came at, um, just a really important time in my life. And, uh, you know, I walked away from that thinking like, okay, that was amazing, but how do I do more of that? Mm. <laughs> and so I think that's really, I was like, well, maybe I could do something like that. Like maybe I can bring women together around running to have these really 
amazing life-changing experiences that um, that helped them feel the way that I felt, which was confident and strong in a way that I had never felt before. So that's really kind of why it started, was wanting to provide that same experience for other women. Um, and then it's, it's just kind of grown from there in terms of not so much the size, because we always try to keep it pretty small at around mm-hmm. 15 people. But the vision, I think, has grown from there. And we've added in for a while, we did some, um, some camps, we collaborated, collaborated with Mary Johnson at Lift, Run, Perform. And we put on a couple camps, a couple summers in a row, or a couple falls in a row, I guess. Um, and then, you know, this uh, 2020, we started offering a virtual retreat, which was really popular. Um, that was just a nice thing for people to do. Um, you know, and we try to make it just as as engaging and, um, you know, highly connective, I guess you could say, as our in-person retreat. We also have guest speakers that that come to the virtual retreat as well. Yeah. And so we've kind of grown in, in terms of what we offer. Um, so that's been really, really neat to see. Yes, I like I am so in awe of you just going all in on this. I mean, when Sarah mentioned earlier that her husband is the primary stay at home parent, that's because she went all in on her dream. Yeah. 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 I mean, it was kind of a big leap for us. I can't say that it's been smooth sailing because it has been very rocky. Um, You know, if there was ever a year to (laughs) right. To like go all in on one person's salary, it was not 2020. Right. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but you know, we found a way. We found a way to to do it and to make it work. And you know, I I feel like it's you know it's taken a lot of blood, sweat, and tears to get it to this point. But um, yeah, it's really neat to see kind of to think about all the women who have participated and and think about the impact that it's had on them and. Um, hopefully we'll continue to have, you know, that's always just, just really neat to think about. I'm so inspired by your work ethic and your passion and drive to make this what it is. Like I haven't been to a retreat. I want to come to one, but I just think it takes a special person to be able to put together something so intimate and real and not just going through the motions like, oh yeah, we're having, you know, we're having three retreats a year and you know, all these things. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is like a real special, intimate, you're going to grow, you're going to learn, you're going to get to know people event. Yeah, for sure. And that's, you know, that's kind of at the heart of what we do is just, you know, I I have some just really great um, volunteers slash staff who come. And one of the things that I say to our staff when they come on board and and help with the weekend is every woman who walks through the door, I I really want them to feel seen and heard and loved. Like that's just my, Mm. my primary goal when people come to Rise Run Retreat is that they, that they, they feel that. And I think that's so important. One of the things that I hear just so often from women, you know, as I've kind of done this over the years is that, you know, just a lot of women feel struggle with feeling like they're enough and feeling like, you know, that they're not worthy of sort of honoring themselves and sort of what they want or, you know, whatever dreams that they might have. And, um, you know, and so my goal is that, you know, women can come and just kind of feel, um, yeah, feel like they're, feel like they're enough and that they're, they're worthy. So, um, that's kind of the, the underlying goal of the retreat. So if you guys haven't gone to one, get ready to sign up when she releases the dates in January for next year, but people can do the virtual retreats this fall. Yeah. Yep. So we have a virtual retreat coming up in September and we're actually, um, the, We're dropping all the information and announcing or opening registration and announcing our guest speakers on the, the first, I think I got to pull up my calendar here. Um, I I can't believe it's almost September. That's crazy. I know, right? I feel like August just evaporated. Um, yeah, so we're opening registration on the 31st. Um, so that's next Tuesday. Gosh, next Tuesday. (laughs) It's coming Tuesday. Registration opens and we'll announce our guest speakers. And then Thursday, I'm going live with one of our guest speakers over on Rise Run Retreat uh, Instagram. And then the actual virtual retreat is the 17th, 18th, and the 19th. And um, and then our November virtual retreat is going to be the 12th 
through the 14th, and we will open registration and announce our guest speakers on the 1st of November. And we have some really great sponsors. Ufos um, has been an awesome sponsor. If you're familiar with their recovery, their squishy recovery sandals. And, so comfortable. Um, everybody gets a, yeah, everybody gets a swag bag or swag box that gets shipped to your, shipped to your door. And then, um, yeah, you have this sort of live interactive experience that lasts for um, for the Friday night, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and I try to make it so that real life can happen around sure. around what's going on in a virtual retreat. I know I've signed up. There was one conference, a virtual conference I signed up for, and there was a, literally a session on the hour, every hour. And I was like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> so <laughs> with, um, with the virtual retreat, we spread things out. You got a couple hours. There's, there's really just like pretty much three key sessions every day. Um, so it's, it's doable if you've got a, if you've got a busy schedule and then everything you can watch on replay and have access to the playback for for two weeks after, but it's a lot, it's been really fun. I've, you know, we've had the, I've had the opportunity to meet women from all over the country and all over the world through the virtual retreat, which has been, yeah, just, just super fun. So cool. Yeah. I mean, 2020 was insane and seeing you pull off, like I can't do in-person retreats. I'm going to make this happen virtually was really cool. And I love that you're continuing to do that, even though in-person things are happening again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it was important to me to, to offer I mean, I've always wanted to offer something that was more affordable. Right. The, yeah. You know, the, the in-person retreats pretty, pretty expensive. And, um, we do offer a scholarship. We have a scholarship every year, but you know, I just wanted people to be able to get a, the same or as close an experience as possible, um, at, you know, a price point that was a little bit more doable. So I love that you do the scholarship. And I know that um, Mel Charbonneau with Made to Move uh, Fellow Flowers, she does the same thing for her yeah. races. She's just like, if you can't afford it, sign up. Like we will fix, like they have a yeah. scholarship program where other people who are running her races can pay for people who aren't able to afford it, but like want to participate. And yeah. I think it's important to talk about those things too, to encourage other races and businesses to do things like that because, you know, the in-person retreat is expensive, but it's giving the people who want to be there that can't be there because of that reason, the opportunity is, it's really special that you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And what's so neat is, um, is actually in, in 2019, um, we had, or actually, no, it was last year, it was 2020, because we were able to do one very small sort of scaled back in-person retreat in October of 2020. And that year, sort of, and this was all sort of before COVID happened, but we had, we, you know, launched the scholarship, we had the applications, we had quite a few applicants. And one of our alumni is, is the woman who, who she actually sponsors the, the scholarship. And, um, it was such a hard decision with the applicants that she was like, well, do you think if I go in half for this second person, oh. do you think the community will, will do the other half? And I was like, well, let's find out. And so I put it out there to our community. We have a, just an amazing alumni community. Um, and I said, hey, like we've got some really deserving people and we would love to be able to offer two scholarships. And people donated money like in less than... 24 hours. Like it was, it was there. So that's always really neat to see when people pay it forward like that. Um, and it just makes me feel so proud of that community that people are, you know, just generous in that way. That's so cool. Okay. So friends, you can, I, I always say like at the end of episodes, I'm like, follow Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah Candy. Well, you can still follow her on social media. She's Sarah Candy over there. Um, there. Yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Dot I mean, profile. yeah. She still has her profile. You yep. can see her picture with the sun in the background and she explains why she gets off but um why she gets off instagram but you can sign up for her newsletter and stay in touch with her that way how do people sign up for your newsletter yeah so they can head to my website which is sarahcanny.com and um in the contact uh, they can just click the contact button and that'll take them or they can just go to sarahcanny.com backslash newsletter that's the other quick way to do it and i have been 
putting up some blog posts here and there. Um, so, and then, you know, my newsletter, there are so many good newsletters out there. Um, so many like, newsletters you know, these Aria days. Yeah. So mine, mine is not a like running recap. It's more of sort of like, I don't know, a thoughtful reflection, like what's on my mind and what's the lesson sort of thing. I guess that's a way to describe it. So if you're into that kind of thing, and then I usually talk about like what I'm reading, um, what I'm listening to, that kind of, yeah, it's kind of in that vein. I mean, it's like a good, well thought out, legit blog post. Mm, yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Like what's but on it's your exclusive mind? exclusive to the newsletter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Um, cool. Well, you're solo parenting and you did me a big favor doing this on a day you're solo yeah. parenting. So I really appreciate okay. it. The kids have been looking forward to being able to watch a movie all day long. So you that really is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> what are they watching? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, I love that. We watched that with our kids recently yeah. too, our yeah. big kids. Yeah, they think it's hilarious. It's so. so fun when your kids get to an age where they can watch shows like that that you sort of appreciate and yeah. kind of can chuckle at and you remember from growing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've been kind of going through all of those like old I, I, it hurts to say old, but those like classic movies from our child, from like our childhood, those, those have been fun to rewatch with the kids. Have you done honey? I shrunk the kids. Oh yes. Okay. Yep. That's a big yeah. one here. Yeah. So good. All right, Sarah. Well, thank you so much. We'll put information to all that Sarah's up to in the show notes at lindsayhine.com. Thanks, Sarah. All right. Thanks, Lindsay. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your story, coming back on the show. I love talking to you and catching up. If you guys want to hear more from Sarah, uh, you should sign up for her newsletter. She sends out like emails that are really good and detailed and way better than social media. Uh, Go to sarahcanny.com to learn more about what she's up to and also sign up for her newsletter. Uh, All right, friends, thank you for being here. Thank you, Beam and Gooder, for supporting this episode. Use the code ANOTHER15 for 15% off your Gooder shades and use the code ANOTHER for 15% off Beam products. And if you're wanting to run the New York City Marathon for Every Mother Counts and be coached by me, go to everymothercounts.org and get signed up. All right. Have a really great Friday and a wonderful rest of your weekend. And we'll see you next week for two episodes of the podcast.